I'm Amy Hall, and you're listening to the Hashtag STRask podcast. And with me is Greg Kokel. Hello, Amy. Hello, Greg. All right. We're going to start today with a question from Robert Zeinstra, Jr. God doesn't expect us to be omnipresent or omniscient or omnipotent to gain eternal life, but he does expect us to be perfectly moral. Why does he make this distinction this distinction among his many infinite characteristics? Um, I'm trying to understand the question. Um, it sounds like what he's saying, God doesn't require us to have some characteristics of his nature, but he does require us to have other characteristics of his nature. Okay? And um, so I think there is a confusion here. There are some characteristics of God that are not communicable, that are inherent to the divine nature. Omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience uh, are examples of that. Um, however, there are other things that are, are, are at least in principle, within human capability. And that is, that is, and when I say human here, I'm talking about human as God created humans, not humans necessarily in the fallen state they're in right now. When God created humans, <clears throat> he did not create them uh, with moral perfection, meaning here that they were, they were, that they, that that they were intrinsically good in in a way that they were not capable of doing evil now god god's moral perfection means that he can do whatever he wants and whatever he wants to do whatever he desires to do will be good okay he created human beings in moral innocence that means he didn't create them bad, he created them good. There was nothing bad about them. There was no inclination to do evil about them. And so in that state, they could have followed God's law. And that's the requirement. Do what God says. Why? Because he's God. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that, but that's, that's the right answer. Uh, it's God's world. And he's made us, and we live in his world, and his world is a good world, and he is a good God, and he wants us to be like him. And by the way, if we are good like he is good, we will be happy like he is happy. This is a connection a lot of people do not make at all. We talked about it, or I talked about it a little bit in Story of Reality. I always say we because Amy has such a strong hand in the, the final product um, of anything I write. Um, and thankfully so. <laughs> but um, that that uh, part of my own reflection um, on this whole process, and it is a reflection, but I think since God is supremely happy, and that's classical Christian doctrine, uh, because he's supremely good, he created us to share in his happiness, but we can't experience his happiness without his goodness. So we were created innocent, and we could maintain the innocence and develop virtue by obeying God. And as we develop virtue, we would grow in our happiness. But it turns out that um, our forebears chose otherwise. They chose to rebel, which then created a problem for the entire human race. And now we are fallen. Okay? It doesn't mean we have no, that we have no obligation to be good. We still do. But this is a problem. 
Okay, so God is not requiring us to have any of His attributes, even moral perfection. We didn't have that. What He requires is obedience, so that we live virtuously, even though our characters are are capable of are, are we are capable of sinning. Speaking of Adam here, and um, so I think there's just a little bit of mistaken category comparison here, okay? And I, I do think there's a time at the resurrection where we will be made immutably good. And so the goodness of God, in that sense, is a communicable attribute. That's something he, had, he can communicate to us. It does open leave the question open as to why he didn't do that in the beginning, and my reflection is that he wanted us to grow in virtue, and there was some benefit to that rather than just being given moral perfection. But that's another question. Because we can't answer for sure why he didn't do that doesn't mean that uh, that we can't answer the question of how man was created originally. Man wasn't created with any divine attributes because he's human. He's a creature. But he was created in innocence without sin though capable of sinning. I think, Greg, you hit the nail on the head when you said that these are different categories of characteristics. Um, When we think about the difference, well, we have God who's morally perfect, you have human beings who are limited and not morally perfect, and you have animals who are limited and not in a moral category at all. Right. (laughs) So we share the category of being moral creatures who can do right and wrong and intend to do right and wrong. We share that with God, Um, whereas we don't share his unlimited attributes like omniscience or omnipresence just by the nature of what we are. But that's not something that we're condemned for. It's just a different category. Being limited doesn't separate us from God. The fact that we are not everywhere doesn't separate us from God. It's just not the same kind of category. That's right. just the kind of being we are. A moral category is something that separates us from God because of his righteousness. Mm-hmm. So he, because he's just, he has to punish evil. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Otherwise, he would not be a good judge. Right. So that is why our our moral limitations and our failings, it, it's not even a limitation. It's a failing. Mm-hmm. A limitation is the fact that I'm in one place at one time. Or, and Or not, a, I'm not like, omnipresent or not omniscient. Right. Yeah. A natural limitation. Right. This is a failure. This is a failure because um, it's just a different kind of thing. So um, God does require that we're perfect in Christ, Um, not that we are perfect in ourselves, because obviously he's going to show us grace and forgive us. But yes, he did require that everything be paid for and forgiven in order for us to be reconciled to him. And that's because morality is the kind of thing that separates us from God. Mm -hmm. And so uh, God can, can make limited creatures, and that doesn't make them worse in terms of morally worse. It just makes them a lesser being in terms of capabilities. Well, they're contingent. God is non-contingent. Right, yeah. All creatures are contingent in a variety of ways, right? Dependent. 
So, capa- I mean, we, we, we see this all the time. The fact that a child can't do the same things an adult can do is not a moral category. So um, maybe this is tautological. I'm not sure, but it's yeah. not. It's just a different. Ca- I think this is something we can just see if we we mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything well, more to some, add to this? Some things are blameworthy if not done. Others are not blameworthy if not done. Mm-hmm. It's not blameworthy not to know everything. It is blame blame blameworthy not to obey. Right. Okay. So hopefully that will yeah. <laughs> help clear things up. All right. Here's a question from Ashton Webb. I have been able to begin having religious conversations with one of my coworkers. He asked me a lot of questions, but then wants a, quote, soundbite answer. What are your tips on how to deal with this? <laughs> I'd love to hear your answer because <laughs> this is a tough one. Well, um, there's your soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, Greg, a soundbite. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the soundbite is it ain't that easy. All right. A lot of what we do at Santa Reason we call translation. That is, we take a lot of these complex issues and we try to winnow them down to their core elements and throw the ball so people can catch it. And um, and I think we do a good job at that and oftentimes can after thinking through an issue and explaining an issue, can offer a soundbite that might capture the sense of it, okay? But not everything can be captured in a soundbite. And um, that's like saying, explain um, like uh, quantum physics in one sentence. Explain anything in one sentence. It, It can't be done. Because most things are complex. I'll give you a soundbite. A stitch in time saves nine. Some things can be captured in a sentence and you get the sense of it. And I think uh, careful uh, – let me back up and put it. There, there, is, a, there is a skill to, to being able to do that and, and to turn a phrase, so to speak. Frank Beckwith, many of you know, longtime friend of ours. Uh, Frank is really good at turning a phrase. I used to believe, believe in reincarnation, but that was in a prior life. <laughs> you know, this. so he's got a clever way of putting things. When people say, um, what is the meaning of truth? He said, do you want the true definition or the false definition? <laughs> so notice how in a, in a soundbite, he's able to, to communicate something powerful, okay, and really get to the heart of it. That's a skill that most people don't have. Frank's really good at it. I think characteristically at Standard Reason, we do a pretty good job at it. But uh, it some issues cannot be reduced to a soundbite. It's all I could offer. So in response to the friend, if I understood the question right, the—who the, who was the questioner— um, Ashton? Yeah, Ashton said, I've explained some things to my friend, but then he says, give it to me in a soundbite. Well, if you've explained it, then hopefully he understands it. Now, maybe he says, give it to me in a soundbite because he didn't understand the explanation. Um, I guess as a general response, some things can be summed up in a fairly tight way 
and some things can't be summed up in a tight way. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that, by the way, even when they can be, is a skill that's developed over time. This is why I always keep my ears open for good sound bites that are sound. In other words, they capture the issue accurately and precisely. A lot of sound bites are too general. They're clever. These are memes. We deal with some of them here on the show. Um, and and but the memes are clever, rhetorically clever, but they're misleading or they're ill-informed. Okay, so sound bites don't always serve our purpose as well. Um, if we have a clear understanding of what's going on, an issue, and then can capture that in a phrase, good for us. Great, but it can't always be done. If you listen to different speakers or teachers or read different things and you stumble on a soundbite that captures it accurately, great, grab it, use it. A big bang needs a big banger. There you go. There's your soundbite for the Kalam Cosmological Argument. You can buy Bill Craig's book on that or you could just have this soundbite. And it really covers the bases. Now, it doesn't cover objections or challenges and everything, but it, conceptually, it helps you to understand um, what's going on. So, uh, uh, I don't know if you have something to add to that, Amos. So, um, he says here that he wants a soundbite answer, and it's not clear what that means. Uh, does that mean he won't let you finish? Does that mean he keeps asking questions? Does that mean he won't listen? Does that mean he's specifically asking no, just yes or no? I so that's it's kind of hard to know how to respond to him without knowing that. But I'm my guess is he's probably just keeps talking or goes on to the next thing and doesn't want to hear a long mm-hmm. answer. So if you're facing that, I do have a couple tips for that. The first one would be to ask questions. I mean, this is just basic Columbo. If he's the one talking, not you, he's going to be a lot more patient. So if you're asking him questions and you're trying to guide him into the the actual response or the answer, if you're asking him questions, trying to guide him through that process, he, he might be a lot more patient because he's not sitting there having to concentrate on what you're saying. He's actually having to think and respond. And so that would be my first suggestion. And now, if that doesn't work... These are all tips from you, Greg, so I'm not going to take credit for these. I'm listening. Um, Ask permission to to give your answer. So if he's interrupting you, just say, it's explained. Yeah, this is going to take a little bit of time. Do you you want an answer? I'd love to give you an answer. Can can you give me five minutes Mm -hmm. to explain my answer? And once he's bought into that, if he says yes, well, he's much more likely to listen to the actual answer. Mm -hmm. So ask him permission. Next stay on track because a lot of times people just want to move from topic to topic to topic. And it's so tempting, especially if he brings up a topic you really like and you have a quick answer to, but don't take the bait. Follow the same question all the way to the end. Just keep bringing it back. Just keep saying, well, we were just talking about this. Let's hold off on that. Why don't you write that down and we'll come back to that. But I want to finish this one. So you just have to keep it on track and not give into the bait. And it's really hard to do that. (laughs) So um, and then if if he's a steamroller, Greg, you have advice about steamrollers. Who just roll over the top with interruption, right? Yeah. So you want to give those the the three? Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) 
Yeah. If if somebody keeps it, basically what it amounts to, it, it, there's three steps, but basically it is if somebody keeps interrupting you, you address the challenge. You say, you know, I'd like to give an answer here, but I need to finish this. Is that okay with you? So you negotiate. Um, and then if they say, okay, then, okay, then, then you, and if they keep interrupting, then you pause and you wait for them to give you an opportunity. And, and then you address the challenge, the interruption. And, uh, and if there's varying degrees of this that I talk about in the tactics book, and then eventually, if you can't stop them from interrupting, from steamrolling you, you just abandon the conversation. The problem is because you're not going to get anywhere. It's just, it's just, uh, and, and this is, uh, uh, so this is a, a big problem. I had another thought though about this. Sometimes when people want a simple answer, okay, like for example, this, if I don't believe in Jesus, if I, am I going to hell? Yes or no? Well, a, ref, a reflection on sound Christian theology will allow you to give a yes or no answer, but it doesn't explain why you're giving the answer you're giving, and it's possible for the then the whole issue to be completely misunderstood. I was with Dennis Prager once before a Jewish audience, all Jewish audiences except for our staff, and you were in the back of that mm-hmm. room at that time, and was asked by Dennis on the stage, is Jesus the only way of salvation? Believing in Jesus. Now, of course, nobody in that room except for Standard Reason staff believed in Jesus. And if I simply said yes and left it at that, then it would be easy to assume that Christian views were anti-Semitic, that people are going to hell because they're Jewish. And so I had to explain this. I could give a yes or no, but that would that would be misleading. And so I went and gave a characterization. The problem isn't whether somebody's Jewish or Hindu or Buddhist, whatever. It's whether they're human and broken God's law. And if they're human then they, and broken God's law, they need forgiveness. And so I was able to cash that out a little bit. Sometimes when people want a soundbite, they just want a simple yes or no. And the simple yes or no, though accurate as far as it goes, will be misleading with regards to the deeper issue. And you don't want to do that um, if you can avoid it. Sometimes people will not give you the alternative. I don't want to hear a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. I just want to know yes or no. Does God hate gays? That's an ambiguous question, actually. No, God doesn't hate gays. He doesn't hate heterosexuals either. Though both may be in sin in their sexual life. It just mis- The question is misconstrues the issue. But sometimes you're stuck with these kinds of challenges, and uh, people are not willing to understand. They are just trying to pigeonhole you, and and that's sometimes the problem. And then one last thing on this, Greg. Um, sometimes I, I can remember a time many, many years ago. I mean, this was probably 30 years ago. And in one of my classes in college, there was – somebody there who was very antagonistic towards Christianity. And I hadn't opened my mouth yet about being a Christian. And uh, I just remember I finally was willing. I think I just wore a cross necklace. I I was so (laughs) scared to do this because of this guy. And uh, he, when he realized I was a Christian, the next thing I knew, he wanted to talk about it 
legitimately talk about it and just asked me tons and tons of questions. So sometimes people who are asking a lot of questions, even if it seems like they're trying to mislead or they're trying to keep from getting an answer, sometimes there's a real interest there at the heart of it all that's that's pushing them to be talking to Mm -hmm. you at all. I would rather be talking to somebody like this than somebody who just doesn't care at all. (laughs) A long time ago, I heard Greg Laurie say something like, uh, if you you throw a stone into a pack of dogs, the one that barks is the one that got hit. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's a great (laughs) soundbite. So if somebody is really stirred up by the ideas of Christianity and they're upset by it, there's something going on there. There's something that's catching their attention. So do what you can to to keep this conversation going as long as you can. There may come a time when you do have to just end it and it's clear it's not going anywhere. But give it as much time as you can and try using the questions. Try asking permission. Try staying on track and do whatever you can to hopefully see this person open up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I got to say, Greg. Great advice, Amy, <laughs> as usual. Well, thank you, Robert and Ashton. We appreciate hearing from you. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question on Twitter with the hashtag STRask or go through our website. Just find our hashtag STRask page and you'll find a link there to leave us your question. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.